Good evening and welcome to episode 372 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamandumwa Kumalo. It is the Thursday edition of the Private Property Podcast. And for joining us for the first time, where have you been? Welcome to the family. You're tuned into the only daily property show in South Africa, catering to your property needs. And it doesn't matter where you are on your property journey, we're certainly here to make sure that you have a pleasant ride along the way. And to all our regular viewers on Facebook and Instagram, as well as on YouTube, welcome to it. You, Of course, you and I have an appointment every single weekday at 7pm, where I'm always in conversation with a property expert who helps us make better property decisions. And talking about better property decisions, you know that we have a whole host of other shows across private properties, social media pages that you can look forward to every single weekday at 8pm. It is a Thursday, and Balinoka will be bringing you the farming podcast later on this evening. And she's on your screens every Tuesdays and Thursdays. And on Wednesdays, Esther Clarkson takes you through the first time home buyer show. And Mondays and Fridays, Chad takes you through the uh, home buyer show, where he takes you through exquisite properties that you can find on www.privateproperty.co.za. And as we wrap up the week, tomorrow, of course, you can look forward to the Real Estate Industry Summit. That is a great, great virtual event that you can tune into. And that is happening from 9 o'clock in the morning until 1 p.m. And you'll have a whole host of different guests um, that you'll be able to hear all about. In fact, I'm actually speaking to one of the guests that will will be uh, participating in tomorrow's session. And it's somebody that we have right here on the show very regularly. And of course, something else that's happening on the show is that we are running that great competition but we want to find out from you some of the great advice that you've picked up on the show and perhaps even advice that you've already implemented on your property journey and want you to share that on the pinned post on our facebook page and you send a chance of walking away with 500 rands in cash and all you have to do to claim that prize is to make sure that you are watching us live because when we call your name or if we call your name you have to drop us a message and claim your prize and if the winner doesn't do so then the money rolls over in the money bag and it just keeps on piling up it's that easy to walk away with cash prizes here on the private property podcast with myself so do make sure that you enter as many times as you can and of course that certainly ups the odds of you walking away with the prize this evening we've got 500 rands in the money bag and i'm very excited to see who the potential lucky winner is but we'll find out more about that later on in the show but as i said we i'm speaking this evening to somebody who you can also hear tomorrow on the uh, real estate industry summit and to find out more about it, of course, do you go to Real Estate Industry Summit today and get all the details on that uh, half-day event? We're talking buy to let property investment. I think so many people who are getting into property investment uh, use buy to let as a strategy. You know, not many people go the flipping route. For instance, many people are saying, you know, I'm going to buy, I'm going to hold, and I'm letting it out. And we're going to be looking at just that, looking at um, 
what the data is showing us when it comes to buy to let as a property investment. Uh, what are some areas that have really good, um, you know, occupancy rates uh, or areas that have vacancy, high vacancy rates, low vacancy rates, and really understanding what you can do with good data. Because I think this is one of those things that I always hop on about that data for the sake of data is not good enough. You need to understand the various data points as a property investor or somebody who's interested in property and what you can do with that uh, to help you make better property decisions and to help us make sense of all of this i am joined by michelle dickens who's the co-founder and ceo at tpn credit bureau michelle good evening and thank you so much for joining us on the show awesome always a great pleasure to be here it's always so great having you, Michelle. I think every time I have a conversation with you, uh, and even when I go to the TPN you know, YouTube page and I watch uh, the different uh, videos you put up, I and I mean, I even use TPN myself, I always just think this is such a great resource because this is the kind of resource that certainly as property investors or even when you're a property manager, uh, you're able to use along your property journey and really make sense of you know, what is happening in the market and if anything could probably use that as one of the data sets that um, help inform what your next move is potentially going to be. I think before we look at the nitty-gritties, perhaps let's look at a, you know, at a national level. When we look at buy property investments, perhaps just go through what the numbers are telling us uh, when it comes to buy-to-let. You know, what is it looking like right now? Because I think some landlords, especially the more DIY landlords, don't quite have a sense of what is happening. I mean, they know their landlords. Uh, they may know a few landlords that they are, you know, acquainted with, or sometimes even do business with. But we don't. They don't necessarily have a picture of what you know is happening from a national uh, perspective. So, what are the numbers and the data that TPN has, uh, say, when it comes to buy to let from a national perspective? So I think from a national perspective, the data is starting to show some signs of recovery, and that's quite pleasing. Um, There are a couple of key metrics that we look at. The first key metric would be um, how our tenants pay their rent, because ultimately this is what we want. We want a tenant in our property, and we want to know that we can collect rent. Um, So the first key metric is tenants in good standing, and this signifies tenants that are paid up by the end of the month. So yes, some of them are paid late, but ultimately by the end of the month, there's no arrears on our our account is fully settled. And prior to lockdown, we were sitting with 81% of tenants in good standing, and that had been deteriorating from 2013, where it was sitting at 86%. So we're not as good as what we were, but you know, this the economy has been weak since 2013, and this has had an effect on tenants in good standing. We were sitting at 81%. We hit the lockdown and it dropped all the way to 73.5%. So that's not great. Seven out of 10 tenants are, are paid up. But we've improved. And every quarter that we report on the data, it improves um, slightly more. And in quarter two, we had gotten ourselves back up to um, 80%. And I'm pleased to report that as we stand at the moment, we're over 81%, Zama. So we are back in the 81%. And that's obviously pleasing for our landlords. But where does the risk lie? So if we've got a tenant, we're back to 8 in 10 tenants paying. Where is the risk then? Well, the risk is in the vacancies. Because prior to lockdown, we had a 7.5% vacancy. Now, during the hard lockdown uh, quarters and when things got really bad, it got all the way to 13%. So it nearly doubled. Um, is slowly starting to come down again. And in quarter three, we're in 10.66%. So still double figures, but absolutely the numbers are going in the right directions. 
So if landlords are now getting tenants paying and they have less vacancies, what is the risk? The risk continues to be escalation because we were in negative escalation territory. And what does that mean? Well, that means we're not able to get the same amount of rent that we were getting a year ago. Um, you know, our rental prices are less than what they were. And so for a landlord, when your property expenses are increasing, but your rent is decreasing, that makes cash flow a problem. It makes managing the payment of your expenses a problem. Um, what would be pleasing for landlords or what would have supported landlords in this period is that interest rates were really low. So at a 7.5% prime or 7% prime interest rate where we add at the moment, that adds a lot of um, support to landlords in terms of uh, mortgage repayments. Of course, the concern is interest rates are going to start going up. When do they start going up? And how do landlords protect themselves um, against, um, against these you know, increases? Um, that's going to be, that's gonna be the, the, a fundamental um, uh, choice that landlords are going to need to make in terms of protecting their assets. And that's such an important one um, that I think landlords always need to be mindful of uh, because, and, and especially the landlords who are, um, or who had started their investment journey during COVID or during these low interest rate periods um, and had used that perhaps as one of the drivers for going into interest rates. Just in yesterday's conversation with Miguel, we're even saying that, look, low interest rates are fantastic, but they cannot be the, the primary and only driver um, that dictates whether or not you, you invest in, in property because it's, it's a terrible matrix if you're going to use only that. You know, there's so many other factors to consider. We know interest rates are going to go up as a standard we know this right uh, and and if anything it's just a matter of you know how how quickly they will increase um, I mean different economists have kind of weighed in on how they see the potential increase kind of going up and at which point we'll return to for example last year January's rates uh, I think some were even saying that will it may take even up to three years for us to go to the race that we enjoyed back then and in as much as that three-year period can seem like a really great period, uh, one of the things that I always I keep saying to people is almost look at whether you'd still be able to afford uh, you know, the, the property that you want to buy given last year's January's rates. So before we enjoyed, you know, all these consecutive cuts, are you able to still comfortably enjoy everything? And if you are, almost take that excess money, put it into the emergency fund. So keep building up the emergency fund uh, for your respective portfolios, because we know that that's also something that um, landlords typically tend to avoid quite a bit. And, and I see some of the love that we're already getting on our social media pages. We're glad Shireen is saying good evening, fam. And of course, glad won that thousand rands that was in the money bag yesterday in our competition and the team also tells me it's glad's birthday this evening so happy birthday to you glad i hope that you've had an incredible incredible day i feel as though yesterday's win was almost an early birthday present for you so i do hope that uh, you're going to enjoy it we wish you all the best for the year ahead as a private property podcast family and of course a private property family because you've one of the people who you know comments a lot watches the various shows and i know that many people in the comment section also know you very well so happy birthday wishing you all the best uh, for the year ahead now michelle i think one of the things that you know you've you've mentioned um that is is of course um 
and, and which is very, very important, right, is we've painted a really great picture of what it looks like nationally. We know that during uh, the early days of, of lockdown, um, you know, rates uh, or rather the percentage ended up being quite alarming. We're now uh, looking relatively decent, um, which is which I'm, I'm happy about because, I mean, I speak to quite a number of tenants and quite a number of landlords, rather, who also said they felt the pinch and some of their tenants had to, you know, change uh, location because they could no longer afford to. They were able to make some kind of arrangements with some of their tenants. But we're now over a year into COVID and we've had to sort of make um, long-standing decisions because we also know that this is now our stage of quo. I'm, I'm interested to find out from you before we go on this break. Firstly, let's start with the areas that have enjoyed really good um, uh, uh, areas of good standing, right? So where we know that, you know, tenants are paying in those areas and are paying fairly well. And, and that's been relatively constant as an average. So it doesn't even have to be a pre-COVID, during COVID, but just as a general average, which areas, are, you know, generally enjoy tenants that pay and pay on time at whatever the price point of that. Okay, so if Um, over 50% of the number of tenants in South Africa reside in the Gauteng province. So if we were to look at Gauteng as an average, 76.7% of tenants are in good standing, which is nowhere near where we, where we are in an area like the Western Cape, where it's closer to 86%. So that's a whole 10% um, shift. So Gauteng as an average doesn't look great, but if we look where the Top performing areas areas are, we're looking at an area like Midrand, where we've got 85.4% of the tenants in good standing, or Santon with 85% of the tenants in good standing. That sounds great, but what are your risks? Well, in Midrand, your vacancy rates are sitting at 16%. Um, and remember, I said that the national average had come down to 10.6%. So you're a whole 6% higher than the national average. Um, areas like Soweto only have a 44% uh, good standing uh, ratio, so much harder to collect rent, but the vacancy is sitting at 10.4%. Uh, what does Soweto have? Soweto has the yield. So Soweto is an area in Gauteng is the best performing from a yield perspective at 13%. So if you can collect your rent, you're going to get a good yield. And for me, it's not, you know, you don't go into a property thinking, well, if I can collect my rent, no. You have the opportunity to select quality tenants. So, so long as you're selecting a quality tenant, um, you're able then to, to collect the rent. So that's from a, from a housing basis. If we were to look at the Western Cape, which, as I said, I mean, from, a, from an average, um, they're the best performing province. And if we were to pop into an area like the southern suburbs in the Western Cape, there you have 90.4% of the tenants um, in good standing. Um, what you don't have, though, is you don't have great, great yield. So remember, Soweto had a yield of um, 13%. Um, Gauteng as a whole has a yield of nearly 11%. The southern suburbs in the Western Cape have a yield of 6.8%. And this is because the market value of the properties are so high. Um, I mean, I'm just looking at all the different areas in the Western Cape. Atlantic Seaboard, 89% good standing. Cape Town, 82%. Northern Suburbs, 84%. Winelands, 87%. So you're able to collect your rent there, but the yields are much lower, 8.6% for the Western Cape um, as a whole. 
And then obviously uh, KwaZulu-Natal, I know you're there at the moment. So down in KwaZulu-Natal, um, the good standing rate also really, really difficult, 77%. Um, but an area like Peter Maritzburg is sitting at 87%. Um, so it it all depends. I mean, Etiquini is sitting at a 73% good standing, but the vacancy rates are 14%. So Etiquini really, really a challenging area from both a good standing as well as a vacancy, um, as a vacancy rate. And I guess the story is about each area has its own nuances and it has its own pros and cons. Um, and it's about looking at each area individually and identifying what are the pros, what are the cons, and how do I mitigate some of those risks? Because some of the risks can be mitigated. You just have to understand what they are in order to plan properly. Mm. And we'll talk a little bit more about those risks. I wanted to go for a quick break and see who the potential lucky winner is for that 500 rands that is, that is in the money bag this evening. And that is, of course, the competition that we're running on our Facebook page. All you have to do to enter is to go to the pinned post. Make sure you comment as many times as you would like. That, of course, uh, ups your odds of winning. Uh, yesterday, Glatrinda, the birthday woman, uh, won that 1,000 rands that was in the money bag. Let's see who this evening's lucky winner is. And that lucky winner this evening is Sanet Pala. Uh, Sanet Pala, I hope that you're watching. Do make sure that you drop us a text down here below. And of course, you're going to walk away with the 500 rands that is in the money bag. Sanet Pala, that 500 rands is up for grabs. And all you have to do is to drop us a message down here below. This evening, I'm in conversation with Michelle Dickens, who's the co-founder and CEO at TPN Credit Bureau. And we're looking at buy-to-let uh, property investments and understanding what the data is saying, firstly, uh, how to make sense of it, which areas are really good performers, uh, which areas are not so great performers, understanding the risk um, and unpacking that risk. Because I think one of the big things as a property investor is really have to get clear at understanding you know, risk, understanding the data, making sense of the data. And of course, that's going to help you make better and certainly more informed uh, property decisions when it comes to your property portfolio. And we are taking more of your questions and comments. I want to find out from you at home, you know, if you're a property investor and you know, buy too late is your strategy, what have been some of the risks that you've identified? And I know we spoke risk um, you know, even with Miguel yesterday. And how have you, you know, gone about making sure that you mitigate them as best as possible. And Michelle, I want us to look at just some of the key risks um, that, you know, perhaps people at home or, or that the data is pointing to. Because I think if anything, TPN is able to, to see uh, some data very close up. So what have been some of the risks that you've essentially been able to identify um, that investors who use a buy-to-let strategy in particular need to be aware of? Rosanna, there are a few risks. And um, let's let's run through a couple of them. One of the first risks is obviously the increasing municipal charges. Um, we've spoken about the fact that rental escalation is negative or at the very least flat. Um, but 
not your profit is based on your revenue less your expenses and expenses are increasing and they're increasing higher than inflation and not just for your rates and taxes and your municipal charges but also for your water your sewage and your electricity charges which is charges that the tenant has to pay and if the tenant's budget is increasing in terms of the spend on utilities it leaves very little room for increase in um, basic rental so landlords will feel the pinch in terms of their municipal charges, and it's difficult because you can't offset those. You can't reduce those. Those are what they are. Of course, um, in times of uh, property valuations, property valuation cycles, um, landlords need to take notes of what their valuations, what their municipal valuation is, and put in a, um, a valuation, um, uh, what's the word, if you want to get it uh, reviewed, a valuation review. So if you are in that um, period with your municipality, then you want to put in your, your uh, valuation review because the value of your property determines what the value of your rates and taxes are going to be. Um, then, of course, we've got um, areas where there could be a lot of new build happening, new bite let build happening in a particular area. And so this you're going to see on TPN's investor report when you have a look at um, what are the um, number of transactions that are transacting at the moment. Typically what's happening now is we have a lot of institutional landlords coming in, either private or public funds, that are purchasing big portfolios and bringing on 500,000 leases in a property at a time, in an, in an area at a time. And so as a buy-to-let micro-landlord, when you're competing against a private or public fund that's bringing on 500 to 1,000 properties at a time in an area, what they're going to do is they're going to drop rental prices. They're going to have in, um, incentives to encourage uh, tenants into their portfolio, things like free Wi-Fi, um, Zoom rooms, um, free electricity or water for a year, um, zero deposits. They're going to have these type of uh, um, incentives. And so as a micro-landlord, you're going to be competing against that type of property, that type of investor. Um, and, of course, the quality and maintenance of your property. So what does the quality of your property look like against the other properties within not just the complex but the area itself? So as an investor, this is the type of data you want to be looking at. Not only that, but when you're exiting your portfolio, because you, you've always got to have an exit strategy as an investor. So if I'm buying a buy-to-let property and I intend exiting it, what does that strategy look like? So if I'm buying in, a, in an area that has too much new investment, I'm going to compete in terms of the um, tenant take-on and the incentives. But if I buy in, a, in an area that has too little um, transactions. And when it comes to selling my property, I'm not going to have a lot of demand. So it's about understanding that type of data to um, assess your future um, uh, exit strategy. Mm. And we are taking your questions and comments at home. And I want to pick up, uh, you know, Michelle, on the, on the comment around the municipal charges, because I think this is one of those that um, and I was even commenting to, to a tweet earlier this afternoon, somebody tweeted about Growth Point and uh, what they said around this. I think that the chairman of Growth, Growth Point had said that the excessive increases in the municipal rates and taxes in recent years, despite a deterioration in municipal service delivery, has reached the stage where 
it poses a threat to the future profitability of our South African business. And I mean, my comment was that we're also just seeing this in uh, in our own residential units, where as a DIY landlord, when you look at the escalation in uh, municipal rates and taxes versus what you're able to escalate in rental, for instance, you find that you 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 know it's it's chipping into your bottom line. And increasingly, um, you, you, you know, your profits are just getting less and less and less to the point where even other you enter, entrance into the market may perhaps price themselves slightly lower. They still just want to get, you know, a tenant and get things going and are probably thinking, look, I just want somebody who will be able to pay the bond. Uh, it doesn't matter if I'm topping up these other expenses. Whereas you've been in this for quite a number of years, you know that you're not running a business where you're wanting to have to supplement other expenses that go with that particular property. And so it becomes just such an important um, you know, thing to observe especially in the area that you're in. Uh, and as, of course, as Michelle has even recommended, in the event where you feel as though uh, your, your property is overvalued, because we've also seen that when the evaluation role um, was redone, I think it was, what, two years ago, many people ha- you know, had contention, wanted to, to, to follow up and say, no, I think that you have overvalued my property and and I know I'm not going to be able to pay uh, the new rates. I know one of the issues that I had was just in our building, a few of, in one of the buildings where I own a few of us, um, our properties were were mislabeled uh, commercial and you know all this time they're residential then they got mislabeled commercial and the, then the one month you know we, we get a bill and it's a commercial bill and a lot of us were shocked luckily because it was it had happened to the building it was able to be resolved fairly quickly as opposed to of course if you have a, a, a you know a freestanding freehold house and you have to follow up on your own and I want to actually speak into this as a question coming through from Facebook and it is from Utsepo Mokhubudi. And it's, it's Tepo Mokhubudi's uh, follower anniversary uh, this evening. I see that there's a note there. So happy anniversary to you. Have quite a number of milestones these days. Uh, absolutely enjoying that. And Tepo saying good evening, private property family. How do you determine a rental price that will be profitable for you, considering that there's no guarantee tenants will pay rent month to month and you are still liable for paying the bond and all levies? So, Michelle, how do we get? that sweet spot where you're still making a profit and all the expenses are paying for themselves? Well, it's not retrospective that much I can tell you. So if you already have the property and you haven't done the numbers, the numbers are what the numbers are going to be. You know, you cannot... You cannot take a property and um, retrospectively, if you've paid too much for it and your bond repayments and your levies and your rates and taxes and everything else the value of your expenses exceed the value of what a tenant is going to pay. We're in a very difficult situation now because tenants aren't going to overpay for property. We know this because we've got a, a, a right now we've got a market that's oversupplied um, and an oversupplied property makes it a, um, uh, a industry makes it a tenant's market and tenants can uh, negotiate the best rental. And where you have vacancies of 10%, well, the tenant's just going to move to an, uh, you know, a property where the, the value is better. So what does TPN do? Let me tell you what TPN does. TPN in our investor reports, we look at a per area basis. And per area, we're saying, what is the average rental price for a less than two-bedroom property, a two-bedroom property, and a more than two-bedroom property? So what is the average rental price? What is the high and what is the low? 
And that gives you the range that the properties of a two-bedroom, less than two-bedroom, or more than two-bedroom are transacting in. We take it one step further and we say, what is the rent per square meter in an area? So the rent per square meter is going to be more in the Western Cape than it is in Gauteng. So now we can say, okay, well, how big is my property? And what is the rent per square meter that I can achieve for that size property? In our property valuation report, so Seppo, if you wanted to go in and look for your exact property on our property valuation report, we would say, this is your property, this is how much you bought it for, and this is what we think the market value is of your property right now. And then we say, if you have a, a, a 0 to 60 square meter property, this is the average rental price in your area for 0 to 60 square meter properties. This is the average rental price for 60 to 80 square meters and more than 80, because guess what? The smaller the size, the higher the rent per square meter is. The bigger the size, the less per rent per square meter is. So that then gives you this wonderful tool that says for my property, which is an 80 square meter property, it's, uh, I can get a 70 rand per square meter price. And I made that up to you. I have no idea where your property is. And that will then allow you to say, I can now work out what the average rent is in my area for this size property at a rent per square meter price. And more of your questions and comments on our social media platforms this evening on the Private Property Podcast with myself, Uzamadunga Kumalo, as I'm in conversation with Michelle Dickens from TPN Credit Bureau, looking at buy-to-let property investments. Uh, on our YouTube page, we've got Stacey, uh, Tracy Stanley rather saying greetings from Cape Town. Uh, and we've also got uh, Lucky Me saying, I finally found a community on social media that I can relate to. I'm happy here. I'm learning a lot, especially as a junior property investor. We absolutely, absolutely love that. And of course, hope that you're going to grow from being a baby uh, property investor to being a more seasoned property investor, uh, not just by watching the show, but of course, by also using the various tools that we um, share, the various insights that we share on the show. Michelle, before we wrap up the show, you know, as we wrap up the show, any final tips, um, firstly, for the buy-to-let investors who are already in it, right? They're already in it. They already have, uh, whether it's one or more properties and are just trying to make sense of whether they should uh, you know, stay being property investors and grow their portfolio or whether it's time to actually just cut their losses. And secondly, any insight uh, for those who are looking to get in. So perhaps they're just slightly more optimistic and uh, want to add you know, a few properties to their portfolios. What kind of insights can you give for these two sets of people as they navigate you know, whether to, to, to stay and grow or whether to get in? So I guess it's about revaluing your portfolio. Um, you know, your portfolio, you don't buy your first property and your second property and your third property, you build your portfolio and you just keep it the way it is. It's about reassessing your portfolio. Is my portfolio performing optimally? Um, am I getting the right rental price? Or do I have room to negotiate? Um, am I am I do my expenses look manageable? Is this property becoming, is this area of this property becoming an expensive aerial property? And that could be because there's not only are the municipal charges increasing, but the levy charges are also increasing. And I'm involved in a complex that is no longer profitable. The complex itself has deteriorated to a point where it's not an ideal um, investment. 
So it's about reassessing each property and then your portfolio as a, as a whole and rebalancing it. If it's not working, don't be scared to sell off one and buy into a, a, another. You may be a, an investor with um, you know, luxury properties. These are, these are difficult properties at the best of times. So you may want to offload the luxury and buy in more affordable properties. So it's about rebalancing what you've got. If you're a newbie investor, you're getting involved um, as an investor, it's about understanding the data first. Once you understand the data, and it's not difficult data, it's simply understanding what does my risk look like and what are what am I prepared to um, what am I prepared to negotiate on? Um, interest rates are going to go up. Uh, you know they're not going to stay at this level forever, and I doubt that they're going to go down. So if I'm looking to buy now and I'm looking to leverage finance, if I was getting into property now, I would want to know that if interest rates go up by three um, percent, that I have the means to be able to cover my bond. On a, on a monthly basis um, because I want to plan for my worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually such a great note to leave it on that you want to be able to plan for the worst case scenario because in as much as you can be an optimist, part of being the trick to being an optimist is that you've adequately planned for the worst case. Uh, and so you can actually enjoy the optimism and, and that's a really an important aspect to uh, being an optimist as much as possible. Michelle, we're going to leave it there this evening. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's always such a pleasure to have you with us. Such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And that is Michelle Dickens as a co-founder and CEO at TPN Credit Bureau, wrapping up the Thursday edition of the Private Property Podcast with myself, Ozamandongwa Kumalo. The team has let me know that Sinead Pala is indeed, was indeed watching, dropped us a text and gets to walk away with that 500 rands in cash. So congratulations to you, Sinead. It is uh, certainly a pleasure to make, to, to give you this money. Because uh, One of the things that many of you at home uh, have grown to know about me is that I absolutely love giving away money. I think it's such a great thing uh, for us to be able to spread the love and certainly make sure that more and more of you uh, can share in the winnings. Well, that's it for myself. On this Thursday evening, I'll be back on the screens tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. Remember to tune in to the Real Estate Industry Summit tomorrow at 9 a.m. until 1 p.m. Mbalinwa will be on your screens from 8 p.m. But until then, hoping you're staying home and staying safe.